Hi, on today's show, Alec Baldwin charged with involuntary manslaughter. Cal Rittenhouse, remember him? Well, he's being canceled. And George Santos might have been a drag queen. Also on today's show, Dr. Philip Hershenfeld, a real-life psychiatrist, and Ethan Hershenfeld discuss rage, customer service, and how to cope with unwanted phone calls. And the Reverend Barry W. Lynn talks about Kevin McCarthy's new appointments to the House Oversight Committee, Hunter Biden's laptop, and how he deals with people on the phone. Office hours is this Friday, and we're starting early at 6 p.m. Come join us. I'll put the link in the description. All you need is Zoom. And if you can't find the link in the description, go to my website. Always go to my website. The link will be there. And while you're over there, sign up for my newsletter. Let's start the show. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Prosecutors in New Mexico have decided to bring criminal charges against actor Alec Baldwin in the accidental shooting of a cinematographer on the set of the movie Rust back in 2021. Mary Carmack Altuiz, the district attorney in Santa Fe County, said today that Baldwin didn't have to touch each projectile. He didn't have to touch each piece of ammunition. But, she added, he had an absolute duty to know that what is in the gun that is being placed in his hand is safe. Oh, please. Baldwin is guilty of a lot of things, like a bad Trump impersonation, too many kids, little pompous. He's also guilty of producing a movie on the cheap that resulted in a non-union crew handing him a fully loaded pistol. But there is no way Alec Baldwin could check or would even know how to check to see if the gun was loaded because Alec Baldwin is a Hollywood liberal from New York who doesn't know a handgun from a pastry gun. This is clearly a prosecutor trying to make a name for herself. Go get the real criminals. I'm David Feldman, and this is The Mop Up. Go get the real criminals like Kyle Rittenhouse, who shot two people to death with his AR-15 and gravely wounded another back in August of 2020 when he decided to self-deputize during a Black Lives Matter protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Rittenhouse was 17 at the time. Nobody asked him to walk the streets. He took it upon himself, and eventually a jury felt sorry for this uneducated 17-year-old dullard and acquitted him, agreeing that he, this moron, acted in self-defense. Self-defense. The two people he killed were not armed. This kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, is an ignoramus who shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a knife and fork let alone an AR-15. But Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin is going to go on trial for involuntary manslaughter and probably get convicted because he's a pretty outspoken liberal Democrat. But Kyle Rittenhouse walks free.
This is America, where the dumber you are, the more power you are given, either in weapons or influence among diehard Republicans. If you are one of the stupid, the stupidest people in the world, you're set for life. All you need is a fully loaded weapon and a job in Republican politics. That is why Kyle Rittenhouse has become a folk hero among gun-toting white supremacists like Tucker Carlson, Turning Point's USA leader Charlie Kirk, and former President Donald Trump, who invited Kyle Rittenhouse down to Mar-a-Lago in 2021, right after Kyle was wrongly acquitted. Trump said he was a fan of Kyle's. A fan. Yeah, I love your work. I love your work. I'm a fan. Trump's a fan. I famously said I could stand in the middle of the street and shoot someone and get away with it. But you actually did it, Kyle. You actually got away with it. You stood in the middle of the street like I said I could. And you got away with it. What a nice young man. That's what Trump called Rittenhouse, quote unquote, a nice young man. Kyle Rittenhouse, unlike Alec Baldwin, is a murderer. And he's too stupid to be allowed to carry an AR-15. I know that Kyle Rittenhouse is too stupid to carry an AR-15 because he killed two people with it in self-defense. In self-defense, even though he had the AR-15 and they didn't. That's how stupid Kyle Rittenhouse is, which is why Donald Trump is such a fan. Kyle Rittenhouse is the son Donald never had because Donald's son, his sons only kill defenseless animals. Donald's sons, unlike Kyle Rittenhouse, they lack the courage to kill defenseless human beings. Kyle Rittenhouse is a mental defective, and he has not paid his debt to society. He killed two unarmed people and got away with it because somehow he was able to claim he acted in self-defense. He should be haunted for the rest of his life by this. He should be, well, he should be in jail, but he's not going to jail. He should go back to school and learn to do something with his life and then spend the rest of it atoning, atoning for taking two innocent lives. He's free. But tonight, Alec Baldwin is facing 18 months in prison for involuntary manslaughter. Kyle Rittenhouse roams free, but a Santa Fe district attorney today has charged Alec Baldwin with involuntary manslaughter in the accidental shooting of that cinematographer on the set of the Western Baldwin was starring. And now, come on, think about this. Accidental manslaughter? Are you effing kidding me? He was handed a gun and told to point it, it went off, or he accidentally pulled the trigger. But someone, not Alec Baldwin, put a live round in there. He had nothing to do with it. He had no idea 
the gun was loaded. The only thing Alec Baldwin is guilty of tonight is being the producer of a movie, Rust, that fired the union crew the night before the shooting, and they decided to to work on the cheap. But involuntary manslaughter because a gun he was handed went off? Are you effing kidding me? Meanwhile, Kyle Rittenhouse is in the news. He's in the news this week because he's running around the country making a living doing speaking engagements. And some of those speaking engagements are getting canceled. He is making a lot of money doing speaking engagements because the right, they take care of their own. And by their own, morons who like shooting things. So Kyle is making money doing speaking engagements. What does this moron talk about? He talks about the woke mob that's trying to punish him. Someone has to punish you, Kyle. Our, our courts won't. You kill two people. You are a murderer, Kyle Rittenhouse. You need to be punished. You murdered two people in cold blood. And this woke mob that you speak of doesn't think you should be allowed to earn money doing speaking engagements, misrepresenting what happened. You are doing speaking engagements and the woke mob, including me, believe that whatever you earn should go to your victims' families. And so this week, some of Kyle Rittenhouse's speaking engagements were canceled because any venue that provides an opportunity for a murderer to make money off his murder should be held accountable. And some venues this week buckled under the woke pressure. Here is Kyle Rittenhouse yesterday on Sebastian Gorka's radio show. It can be heard on the Salem Radio Network. Salem Radio is a self-identified Christian conservative radio network. They present Christian conservative-themed programming. That's how they sell their shows to advertisers. Christian conservative-themed programming like Sebastian Gorka. And what is more Christian than Kyle Rittenhouse who kills two innocent people with an IR-15, AR-15. So here is the murderer, Kyle Rittenhouse, complaining about the woke mob. This was yesterday, the woke mob that's trying to silence Kyle, not for what he said, but for what he did. You killed two people. This isn't about your freedom of speech. It's about you being a murderer. And any venue that helps you earn a living off those murders should be held accountable. Here's Kyle complaining about the woke mob. I was uh, supposed to be giving a speech at uh, Southern Pub Brewery with Defiance Press, and they booted us because the woke mob found out I posted about it. I tried to promote it to get people to come and hear about censorship and the Second Amendment. And they didn't like that. They bent to the woke mob and they said, we're canceling this event. Thank goodness we were able to reschedule. It's now going to be at Lone Star Convention Center in Conroe, Texas, where you can come and watch me speak. But just recently, as of this morning, the Oak Room at the Ventian um, canceled us and bent to the woke mob saying, we aren't going to host you guys anymore. Did you hear that? The Oak Room 
at the Venetian canceled him. Did you hear that? Today, the Oak Room in the Venetian, the hotel in Las Vegas that's built to look like Venice, ergo, hence, and therefore, Kyle, it's called the Venetian. Uh, notice the way this moron, this murderous moron, pronounces the Venetian. Oak Room at the Ventian. The Oak Room at the Ventian. Oak Room at the Ventian. You stupid, illiterate, gun-toting, murderous moron. It's pronounced the Venetian. Oak Room at the Ventian. You idiot. You should not be allowed to even look at a gun. It's the Venetian. Oak Room at the Ventian. How stupid can one person possibly be not to know it's pronounced Venetian? I would say that Kyle Rittenhouse is the dumbest person in America. But then I remembered there are Americans paying to hear him speak at the Veneton or the Venetian. People were lining up at the Oak Room at the Venetian or the Veneton to hear a man-child who thinks Venetian is pronounced Veneton. They're paying money to hear this moron speak, which means there are actually people who are dumber than the murderous Kyle Rittenhouse. One more time. Oak Room at the Ventian. Okay. There are some real idiots, and they're getting dumber and dumber in the conservative movement. And one of those idiots is the new speaker of our house, Kevin McCarthy. Dumb, can't count, can't count votes. That's why they had to have 15 ballots. They had to vote 15 times for him to become speaker. Uh, this idiot... Kevin McCarthy, and I do mean idiot, just gave two committee assignments to my friend, George Santos. I love George Santos. And I've played this before, but I love George Santos. He is the gift that just keeps giving. Here is Republican. We just found this. Here is Republican Congressman George Santos during a debate last summer. Here he is asking his opponent a question. George, do you have an honest moment George, inside of you ever? <laughs> How can you not love this? I'm worried that he's going to go away. I'm going to miss him. As you all know, George Santos has told a couple of lies about his religion, his marital status, how his mother died. He's accused of stealing credit cards, checkbooks, and a Burberry scarf. Even worse... He reportedly stole $3,000 from a GoFundMe page for a sick dog. And he's not even close to being the worst member of this Republican House. As I said, he is the gift that keeps giving. Santos is a Republican who supports Florida's don't say gay bill. But now, today, it turns out that Santos probably was a drag queen back in Brazil. And you know how much the Republican Party loves drag queens. A Brazilian drag queen told ABC News this morning that Santos used to perform under the drag queen name of Kitara Ravash. Maybe a little too off brand for the Republican Party. Maybe not. 
Here is what the Speaker of the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, had to say. George Santos, if there is a concern, he will go through ethics. Really? You're going to put him through ethics? Kevin McCarthy, do you even know where the ethics office is? You've just defunded the ethics office. There is no ethics. The Republicans are in charge. George, do you have an honest moment George, inside of you ever? George, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have an honest bone in him at all. Well, Elise Stefanik is part of the Republican House leadership, and she held another press conference. Welcome to the Republican majority in the 118th Congress. Oh, thank you, opportunistic infection. Harvard graduate Elise Stefanik. Uh, what do you have uh, planned for us in the 118th Congress? House Republicans are hitting the ground running, and we are laser focused on passing our commitment to America agenda and much needed critical oversight of the Biden administration. Great, much needed oversight of the Biden administration. This is important. This is checks and balances. And she's going to investigate the problem at the southern border by getting testimony from Biden's head of Homeland Security, Hunter Biden. Then she and the Republicans are going to investigate how the Biden administration screwed up the pullout from Afghanistan by getting testimony from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Hunter Biden. Then they're going to go uh, get to the bottom of the origins of COVID by getting testimony from the head of the Centers for Disease Control. That would be Hunter Biden. And then they're going to look into uh, abuse of the IRS by getting testimony from the head of the Internal Revenue Service, Commissioner Hunter Biden. Then Elise Stefanik, this opportunistic infection, she made this solemn promise to America. We will continue to hold the line and protect the most vulnerable among us. Well, that's great. She's going to protect the most vulnerable among us. So you're, you're going to investigate the, the hundreds of thousands of Americans living on the streets and, and try to figure out how to help them or... The most vulnerable, you're going to help senior citizens who are living on nothing but Social Security and can't keep up with inflation. You're going to help the most vulnerable old people who make a minimum wage at McDonald's or minimum wage at Walmart with no help of ever being allowed to join a union. Is that what you mean by the most vulnerable opportunistic infection? Elise Stefanik, most vulnerable. When you say the most vulnerable, do you mean our children who are forced to attend crumbling public schools that are understaffed, most vulnerable. You mean the thousands of Americans evicted each week by greedy landlords or the families of small children who suffer from food insecurity and are forced to go to food pantries and these food pantries are empty because there isn't enough money for them? Is that what you mean by protecting the most vulnerable here in America? Do you mean the families in predominantly black communities that don't have potable drinking water? Elise Stefanik, you opportunistic infection. Is that what you mean by our most vulnerable? What do you mean by the most vulnerable? 
by bringing the Born Alive Survivors Protection Bill to the floor. Fetuses. Fetuses. That's the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable in America are the ones who haven't been born yet, according to the Republican Party. Fetuses. So Republicans couldn't care less about anything that's actually alive. The only thing Republicans have to offer for people who are alive are more and more gun-toting halfwits like Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, opportunistic infection, Congresswoman Stefanik, is there anything else you would like to add? And we are just getting started. Yes, you are. And that's exactly what I'm afraid of. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the most vulnerable. Joining How are you doing, sonny boy? We started. We started. Okay, yeah. let's start. Joining us is Dr. Philip Hershenfeld. He is a, an actual psychiatrist, a real psychiatrist. And also with us is someone who's not a psychiatrist, Ethan Hershenfeld. But his alter ego, Dr. Samuel Benjamin, is the author of Today Is Now, a hysterical book that everybody should purchase right now. It has the Feldman guarantee. If this book doesn't change your life and make you laugh, let me know and I will reimburse you. Now, Dr. Samuel Benjamin, your father is an actual Freudian psychiatrist, but um, your alter ego. I mean, he says he is. <laughs> <laughs> we take him at his word. But in this world of Santoses and Trumps, <laughs> you can't believe everything people tell you. <laughs> Um, but no, I think I think he is. By the way, well, I appreciate the plug. I just want to say one more thing, which you might not know about the book. Um, on page 48, uh, if you buy the book, you will find cash. Oh, my God. I just yeah. turned to 48. Darkness, indivisible. Darkness, indivisible. Oh, that's there's, 49. There be, oh, that's 40. There should be cash. There's cash. Each buyer receives cash. Yeah. I can't believe it. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to tell yeah. people how much money. So you make money buying this book. It's un that's, it's incredible. That's right. And where it doesn't does, just enrich enrich your mind and your soul, it actually enriches you. Where uh, would somebody buy this book? Amazon.com. Amazon. You get <laughs> the evil empire. You get special dispensation. You can do it uh, only to buy today is now and you get the Feldman Guarantee. So I right. want to talk about rage. Somebody I know named David. Are you Friday. talking about date date rage? Oh, that no, that that that's different. Okay, date, date rage. Um, I am. It, there, I, there are buttons on me. I realized, and if it's safe and you press the buttons, I will go off. Usually it's an anonymous person on the phone who maybe works for a health insurance company or a, let's just say a health insurance, let's, let's say health insurance. And 
uh, I have a tendency to justify my self-righteous indignation by saying, I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing it for the world. That this is not about me, this is about saving the planet. Which is a lie, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lie. And you take out your rage on this poor person who's making $12.50 an hour? As if they are the president of the insurance company? But is you say that like it's an alien phenomenon to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, like you've never engaged so, in. So what what how am I supposed to deal with given my family of origin, given where I'm from? confronted with gross immorality, not, not just a, a personal slight, but something that speaks to a, a cancer in our country, something that is grossly wrong. And I see somebody who is just following orders, being a loyal foot soldier for a company that results in death uh, I'm still, it's, think, it's still me. You're, you're bringing too much baggage to that uh, customer service encounter on the phone. Okay. That's what I would say. You have a very big story that you're bringing with you to that annoying phone call. So I would, I would, I would suggest as, as a fake guru and a fake, um, a fake healer, what I would suggest is and you said you have buttons that get pushed. Yes. I invite everyone to look down at your keyboard and you'll notice among all the buttons there's there's a button that says control on it. <laughs> you can always push the control button. But there's That's also a, a delete button and there's some okay. people I want to delete. Right, but you you can't delete those people unless you hang up if you have to get the thing done. But the other button that the other button that is maybe overlooked at these moments. Everyone, I invite you to look down at your keyboard and you will see a shift button. You can always shift your point of view, <laughs> shift your attitude, shift what you're thinking about. At that moment when you're getting angry about the healthcare, just think of some pleasant thought. And then- But hang on, there's also, there's a command button as well. I'd like to yeah, command but, these people to do as I say. Yeah, I think that you're already pushing that button too, too free. <laughs> yeah. And then, yes, as one of your uh, listeners <laughs> points out, there's the ESC, which the escape button. You can always just walk away, take a breath, and then come back. And, and of course, the space bar is terrific also. You can always, <laughs> but we can all use a little more space. And then there's an X button. You can always call your X. <laughs> And that's what this is all about in the first place. Yes. I couldn't care less about health insurance. Yeah. You see, anyway. as, as a psychoanalyst, I pay attention to a person's associations. So your association was he's just following orders, which, of course, 
puts this poor person in Eichmann's camp. Exactly. Exactly, which he is not. And then my learned younger colleague mentioned space, Lebensraum. Yes. We just want living space. Yes. And that, of course, was the Nazis' justification. So as my learned younger colleague pointed out, you are bringing 2,000 years. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Of, yes. of baggage, which is totally unrelated to this poor person, either in the Philippines or in Mississippi, who is just trying to earn enough money for, you know, breakfast the next day. Right. It could, it could also be... Uh... On a customer service call, the agent could be an aspiring um, member of the House of Representatives. Well, that's that's right. also well. So it, it, you it, know who you're talking to. It is. I, I don't want to mention the name Anthem of the health insurance company. I don't want to get anybody uh, into trouble. But we're dealing. So I'm coming in already with a chip on my shoulder because it's a health insurance company. Right. So I'm triggered just dialing the number I'm triggered. Because you're anxious. Right? And, and powerless. Rage is a defense against anxiety. You know, they say that depression is anger turned inwards. On the other hand, apparently the doctor is telling us that rage is anxiety turned outwards. Get a pen. You're going to need to draw a chart. It's a little bit confusing. And actually, um, a waltz is a tango turned upside down. Write that down. <laughs> A lot of things are just something else turned in a different direction. And nothing is as it seems. Right. Well. <clears throat> oh, a, a, a cardiac arrest is just a workout turned up too hot. <laughs> Let me explain, David. You call up this company. Yes. You're anxious about whatever your health concern is. You feel like a little nothing. Yes. Up against this mammoth. Yes. Organization. Yes. They have the ability to deny you whatever they feel like denying you. Right. So that leads to feelings of anxiety, <clears throat> inferiority, and helplessness. And also a little bit of hunger. You need a snack. <laughs> so. But but it's if you get enraged, all of a sudden you don't feel any of that nonsense. You now feel powerful. I do. You're you're yelling at this poor nudnik right. who who's not allowed to fight back. And it's being recorded. I keep asking, is this being right. recorded? I keep asking for training, for training purposes. It should be for training you. Um I, I just want to, for a second, come to the defense of the customer service uh, 
personnel. But, but they work for health. They, they, it, there's a difference between somebody who works for, say, you know, Barnes & Noble customer service or somebody who works for a health insurance company's customer service, don't you think? I don't know. Is Barnes & Noble still in business? That's my point. No. <laughs> or, you know, somebody who works, you know, at Macy's. Yeah. Macy's is different from, I don't want to mention Anthem's name. I don't want to get into trouble. So there's a difference, right? Yeah, I was simply saying that the doctor has has characterized these people as nudniks, as people who make twelve fifty an hour and are just thinking about breakfast the next morning. Um, I think you said they're from the Philippines. They could be from anywhere. They could. But I, I did get. I did. Oh, right. I, I needed a doctor, and I call the health insurance, and, and I get somebody from the Philippines, and I'm going. You're going to find a doctor for me in Manhattan. And well, they're all on the internet, um, but, but I think it also says in that um, in that voicemail tree when you first call up and you're talking, to, you're listening to the computer. It says if you're calling with an actual medical emergency, <laughs> hang up and call someone else. Right. So you might have just wanted to hang up then. Oh my God, I'm starting to sneeze again. What is happening? You're allergic. I sneezed you're allergic. last week. So, David Feldman. So this is what I did. Okay. I did notice that I had somebody from the South or the Bible Belt, somebody on, on the phone. So did you start saying, like, God bless a lot? I do that. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you what I did, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I, and I think this— be. I'm sorry, what? You should be. I, I haven't told you yet. I, but anybody who starts out, I'm not ashamed. I'll be <laughs> <laughs> they should be ashamed, right? In the past, I've tried many. Yes, go ahead. We've settled that issue in the past. Right. Okay. All right. So in the past, dealing with customer service, I've tried. I, I'm the son of Mr. Blue Cross. This is David Blue Cross. My father is Anthem Blue Cross. You, you, he's your boss. I need... You know, I'll claim to be a relative of the person in charge. And that has kind of gotten me. This is we're talking decades of customer service. I have uh, pretended to be a stockholder. I've <laughs> pretended to have a, a slow talk, pretend to have a disability. So they want to get rid of me. So I just repeat what they and it. uh that sometimes expedites the process. You know, if I pretend I have a disability, God's going to punish me. So I start, this is my new thing that I started. God's going to punish you. I've decided to be a devout, oh, re, wow. a, re, a very religious person because I was talking to these people and they have the Southern accent. And I, I said, what, you, what you're doing right now I'm, I can't do anything, but God is going to smite you and smote you and smit and smitten you. That's what I. That's what I said, and I kept saying wow. it over and over again. God is going to punish you for this. Okay. Now is that wrong? That's not right. <laughs> Why? 
<laughs> what if I believe? No, no, no. You know, you might be right. God might come and smite them for for what they've done, for working for an, what you think is like an evil company and and mistreating you. I don't know. And what about know. bringing and then comparing them to uh, Dow Chemical for making napalm? I, I, is, it, is it wrong for me to because this is what I was saying yesterday. I said, is, David, you think you're Moses, that you have a right to speak for God? Come on. That, it's a little grandiose. That I agree with you. But why isn't somebody, why, why aren't the people who speak for God telling these health insurance companies and the gun manufacturers and the oil company executives that God's going to punish them. Why, why are the people who speak for God telling men who sleep with men that God's going to punish them, but the people mm -hmm. who deny health care and burn the planet and give AR-15s to 15-year-olds, preachers, rabbis, nothing. God's fine with that. It's called self-interest. If you think, if you have stock in ExxonMobil, you're not going to complain about anything related to, to oil use. So my rabbi, you know? the rabbi, I mean, it seems to me, let's, let's police our own here. Okay. If a rabbi isn't firing hail and brimstone, fire and brimstone at the congregation over climate change, over healthcare in this country over guns. Yeah. What what good is he? Well, in my experience, the rabbi in a left-wing congregation will do that. A rabbi in a more right-wing congregation will keep his eye on his job security <laughs> and he he won't do that. And or, you know, less cynically, maybe you can keep your nose more in the book and just think about the ancient issues and the finer points of religious law and not worry too much about the effect on the world today, I suppose. So I really don't care about the planet guns or the uninsured. It's January. I'm depressed and angry and scared about getting older. That's, okay. what, that's what it's all about. It's not, I told you, it's anxiety that's, that sets it all off. So it has nothing to do with the current state of the world. I'll, I'll let the junior rabbi here handle that one. The interesting thing about January, <laughs> <laughs> historically, <laughs> and geographically, Geographic. Is that if you if you were to go on on YouTube right now and watch highlights from the Australian Open, mm -hmm. it's summer. It's summer down there right now. Right. So you can't really use the January excuse. Um, just you. And, and if it's a cloudy day, as I've pointed out in the past, if it's a cloudy day outside, you just have to remember that the clouds are just just a they're just like a little ceiling on the room that you're in. Above there, there's there's open skies and it's blue and it's clear and it's and it's peaceful now do you think it's normal 
to spend January, spend have your summer be in January? Do you think perhaps Australians are a feral people? Because I'm, I don't mean to offend our Australian listeners, right. but there's something odd. I think they have it right. I, I I think it would be great to have a commuting schedule where you just you, you it was always summer. You you went down there around Christmas and you came up here around the Fourth of July. What would Doctor Samuel Benjamin advise when people are you know ten is when you're going to explode on the phone? Yes, and yeah. it's a nine. You're getting to a nine, and you and you and you feel. You're, you're about to explode, and it's it does feel good to explode. It it can feel good for a brief moment, and then followed by you have to do a lot of cleanup. There's all those fluids. <laughs> there's there's all the people who have been offended. Um, the important thing is that when you're at a nine, you just have to look at it upside down, and you see it's just a six. <laughs> like in Australia, they're all upside down. Yeah, it's just a six. So you're not at a nine yet. You got a long way to go. So don't explode. And then you can dial it back down with that realization. Although if you're at an eight, you look at that sideways, it's an infinity. So that's a problem. <laughs> that's dangerous. Do you want to hear a real life story? Yeah, I just topic? have to. Uh, yes, but, doctor. But, you know, there is, I, I was going to call you, doctor, the father. He's a genius. No, 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 listen. He's a genius. I was listening to it last week. I went, this is off the charts. Funny. Go ahead, Dr. Hershenfeld. I wanted to just point one other thing out. Like we were talking earlier about how depression is just anger turned inward and rage is anxiety turned outward. Genius is just idiocy (laughs) turned turned 180 degrees. (laughs) That's brilliant. That is yeah. Oh, brilliant. Just flip it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so here, here's a true life story from my own annals. My wife goes by her maiden name. Who was that idiot lady from Alaska who was running with McCain? Palin. 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 When she, when she and McCain were running, We started getting repeated, repeated phone calls from the Republican National (laughs) Committee for some guy with a very similar last name. And every time she got that call, she would say, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. That guy does not reside here. So one day I pick up the phone and they say, is this Lawrence so-and-so? I said, yes, it is. (laughs) What can I do for you? And they say, can we expect the same extremely generous contribution to the RNC that you gave last year to help us put these people over the finish line. (laughs) And I said, no, you may not, because that moronic lady from Alaska should not be in public office. And if I ever get another phone call from you people about this topic, 
I will give every red cent of mine to the Democrats. We never got another phone call. Did that? And how did that feel? Great. And in the end, the election, it worked out. You might have turned the tide. Yeah. Wow. Now, I think I might have handled that differently. Okay. I think your way is better. Yeah. I would have I would have pledged the maximum amount of money. Okay. And then they would bill the other guy with that last name and have him deal with it. I, I want to make one other I suggestion. Hurt, I want to hurt. I'm being serious. I want to hurt someone, not like physically. Really? Yeah. I, I want. I want like I, not to. I don't want to. I don't want to physically hurt anybody. Or emotionally hurt anybody, but they're bad people in this world, and I, I would like to just what's just a zest a zest what's what's the word just zest a which you do all the time as a comedian. Yeah, but they're laughing. <laughs> I want them to cry. I want to make them cry. I want them to know that they're bad people. Go ahead, Ethan. I wanted to uh, suggest that since you like or you you find yourself acting out against these people and maybe expressing some aggression towards them and trying to make them feel bad, I would suggest that al allow yourself to do that. Do it. Enjoy it. Do a, Put the guilt aside about it. Put all that second guessing. Just do it with relish. Enjoy it. Make them feel bad. But then on another call, when the opportunity presents itself, be very nice to them. Ask to speak to their supervisor and say how great this person was. In other words, you can build up some credits. You can build up some nice guy credits mm -hmm. and then you can spend them by really pooping on some other people. Right. So then you kind of balance it out. My sister... Uh, was with a, a carpenter and he said he does one act of kindness each day. What is your reaction? That gives him, allows him to do 10 acts. Well, that's of what I, I said. What do you mean? He, he says, I, I, I make sure I do one act of kindness each day. Like I'll let somebody in front of me and I'm thinking he's got the tool belt, the hammer, the ice pick and... Yeah. And only one act of kindness a day. Yeah, that's how I feel about um, you wearing a, you know, one of these wristbands that counts your steps. It's very little, but you can at the end of the day you can say, "Oh, look, I, I took a few steps. <laughs> you haven't really done much, but you took some steps." So you let someone in front of you in traffic. Now you can feel self righteous. So my actually, that's it. I wanted to. Can I just uh, tell you what so, happened? My sister yeah. came over last week and I was uh -huh. helping her with something. And we live on, you know, I live in a, an apartment here and, and uh, it's on a floor with other, you can hear a lot of things, right? And uh, so I'm helping my sister with somebody with customer service and I'm screaming, you should be ashamed of what you do for a living. What you do for a living is disgraceful and disgusting, and God is going to punish you. And then my sister walks out the door and says, they don't know you're on the phone. 
they think I'm a hooker. They think that, you've that been was, yelling at me for being I was a thinking prostitute. The, I was thinking the exact same thing. That's what it sounded like. And I said, you should be so lucky. Go ahead. <laughs> I interrupted you. No, I'm someone in the comments. Oh, uh, we have some questions, that. actually. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned carp carpentry, and then someone said Jesus was a carpenter. That's actually a mistranslation from the original Aramaic and the Greek. He was a carpenter. He laid carpet. So that's what Jesus actually did. He was in the wall-to-wall -wall carpet business. So all of these stories you've heard about his carpentry, not true. He was in, he was in carpeting. I thought okay. that's why they all... Uh, yeah, okay. I was going to make a joke about the crucifixion, but that's not my table. Dr. Well, Benjamin, what do you have... What advice... This is from Lane in Great Britain for Dr. Benjamin. The question is, what advice do you have for call center agents coping with people like David Feldman? Great question. Yes, it is a good question. And what I would say is they should, this is very important. If there are any customer service agents out there who are listening, or if anyone who's listening knows a customer service agent, please pass this along. This is, this is crucial. This is a, a, this could be a life and death thing. Do not say the line to the customer that they teach you to say in the training where you say, I understand that you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more upsetting than that. Um, so I would just say, get rid of that bit of the training manual. Okay. Um, and also don't apologize. I, they're always apologizing. And then when I'm in a mood like yours and I'm, and I'm on with one of these people, I say, you don't have to apologize. You didn't do it, but please, please get the message to your supervisor. So I would say, stop with the apology and just immediately say, I will pass this along to my supervisor. I would say that that's the way to, to handle it. What about saying, I want to speak to your underling? Has anybody ever said that? That's next week I'm doing that. I want to speak to your underling. That's really good. Put your underling on. This is from Cameron. How do you conceive anxiety psychoanalytically? How do you conceive anxiety psychoanalytically in its relation to the actual material context of capitalism? Or do you? Sounds like a question for fraud. Yeah, we've talked about that. I mean, can capitalism drive us crazy? I sometimes think the system is designed. I think we're being gaslit sometimes. I think that, um, who was it who asked that question? Uh, Cameron. Okay, Cameron, I, I have a, a solution for this. If capitalism is making you anxious, just stop using change. There should be no more change jangling in your in your pockets. In fact, you just go cashless and also go paperless. If you go paperless and cashless and, and just do everything electronically, capitalism becomes very pleasant. Uh, let's see. Uh, all right, I'm not going <laughs> to. Okay. Uh, hey, let, me, let me just explain that yeah. very briefly. The, the real problem there is that the dime is smaller than the nickel. And that is it's very anxiety producing. It's worth twice as much, but it's smaller. That's a lifelong source of anxiety and confusion for a lot of capitalists. So I'm saying there's a good reason for it. Just get rid of the change. The dime is smaller than the nickel. Yeah. What is the thinking? The thinking about that is if you're, if you're worth more, you don't have to be as big. People who have real power don't have to shout, right? Could be, could be. Doctor, 
They don't have to carry around nickels and dimes. <laughs> what do you read? What do you read? Well, first of all, when are we having dinner? That's we have to make dinner plans. I don't okay. know if you want to have dinner with me because I think I'll turn on the waiter in front of you. I did take not. Out. It should be take I, out. Three ice cubes. <laughs> How many ice cubes did I specify? There are only three in this glass. Um, what are you reading? Go ahead. I've known people who, who, who have done that. I think it's it's so insane. Of course. And my only understanding is that they're confusing the waiter who's supposed to bring food with their mother right. who was supposed to bring food and they have some beef with their mother. So they're taking it out on the poor waiter. So it's a breast when when you, when, when the waiter, it's just a yeah. breast and how you treat the waiter is how you view your mother's breast. I have never been rude to weights. I'm, my only vice is sometimes I'm triggered by customer service agents. That's and I it's I need to work on it. I'm reading two books that I can recommend by a neurosurgeon in England, Henry Marsh. The first book is about his practice in a public hospital as a neurosurgeon. Fascinating book, truly, and it's a great writer. And that came out, of, I don't know, a few years ago. And then in... Um, Maybe September, October, Jeff Bezos wrote me a letter mm -hmm. and said, Dr. Marsh is coming out with another book. <clears throat> Would you like to order in advance? Hmm. And I said, thank you, Jeff. And I absolutely would. And it came this week. And the title of the new book, the, the title of the first book is Do No Harm which is the Hippocratic Oath. The title of the next book is And Finally. And what it's about is his impending death. And it is just so interesting to see this guy facing what he has to face with intelligence and grace and acceptance it's a good book. I read and the first I, one, The Do No Harm. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He started out as a philosophy student at Oxford, but fortunately thought philosophy was wacko and then moved into medicine. Hmm. hmm. I, I don't know if I'm going to go gently into the night. Well, this guy might help you do it. I know I'm probably going to stub my toe <laughs> as I'm going gently into the night. And I'm going to see the my relatives beckoning me forward. And I'm going to start going, you found my father. And uh, I'll be sent back. Uh, Ethan, what are you reading? I was reading. I borrowed it from the doctor the other day, The Death of Ivan Illich. But I wasn't really following it. So I got the uh, the, the first volume, which is The Life of Ivan Illich, <laughs> sort of like a, a prologue. No, no, I'm reading the death of Ivan Illich. Don't tell me how it ends. 
Okay. <laughs> Does he live at the... All right. And any stand-up gigs? Anything to brag about? You no, know, I just got a call about doing one February 11th in Queens. Um, so I'm, 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 in, I'm in heavy negotiations with them. So I'll Great. let you know if and when that's happening. I was listening to you last week. And I was actually going to call your father and say, this may, the boy is a genius. You really well, are. You that's really very are. kind. And, and, uh, and it's the hyperbolic. truth. Hyperbolic? No, it's not. And that would have been great because whenever a teacher called me about him in the past, that's not what they were calling me about. What was They're the complaint? About, what would be the complaint about him? Um, provocatively bouncing a basketball <laughs> up and down the hallways <laughs> of the school, for example. But he had to have been a great student. The, the teachers must have loved him. Right? Um, let me just say this provocatively. That's that's someone that that's uh, that's a mischaracterization. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. All right. Well, listen. Let me just say this. Um, God is going to punish you. <laughs> no, no. God, God bless everybody. Thank you, okay. Doctor Philip Hershenfeld. And bless one and all. <laughs> thank you, Ethan Hershenfeld. Good night and bye. Everybody, right. go by. Today is now. Thank you, everybody. The Reverend Barry W. Lynn joins us. For nearly a quarter of a century, he ran Americans United for separation of church and state. Besides being a lawyer and a member of the Supreme Court Bar, he is an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. Let's talk about the House Oversight Committee. Carol Maloney, my old congresswoman, is no longer running House Oversight. I believe it's Comer. It's Comer. And uh, he's one of the uh, more mainstream people because of Kevin McCarthy having needed the votes of the weirdest people in the House and the Republican side have appointed many of them to this committee, including Lauren Boebert from Colorado and Marjorie Taylor Greene and even Paul Gosar from Arizona, all of whom, of course, denied the election of, of Joe Biden and all of whom are, by any normal standard, certifiably goofy. I won't say crazy because I'm not a doctor. Mm -hmm. Goofy, they are. And, you know, there have been a couple of comments made by uh, former chiefs of staff of House of Representatives people who say quite appropriately that their bosses, like Paul Ryan, would put people on that committee and he said, because we considered it the island of misfit toys. So you could just throw anybody there. And uh, they certainly have done it this time. These investigations are going to continue. And they sh they're all about relationships with China. Um, and then the most flamboyant ones are the investigations of the Justice Department and the FBI. And those will probably actually not be done 
by this special committee, but by a subcommittee of the House Judiciary Committee, now run by Jim Jordan. Right. Who, in a fabulously stupid thing yesterday, said of uh, the fact that uh, uh, Joe Biden didn't know that there were boxes containing top secret materials in his garage. How could you not know that? And of course, many of us for the last four or five years have been wondering how Jim Jordan could not have known that people on his wrestling team <laughs> were being abused. And I, and I mean, I, 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 we, there are a couple of people, including Jim Jordan. I try to write the nastiest possible things to them on Facebook <laughs> and because I want to be banned. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I do that. I did it with Bobert. I, I guess they just maybe they don't think I'm serious. Or maybe they're not human. That's also possible. Well, what, speaking of, well, go ahead. Yeah, no. I want to ask you about the House Oversight <laughs> has been abused. I remember Daryl Issa used oh, to yeah. share it, and they then Benghazi. They used it to <laughs> go over uh, Benghazi, Benghazi, and I think Kevin McCarthy said in 2015 about House Oversight, we're succeeding in bringing down Hillary Clinton's poll numbers. Yeah, that was the only thing. Uh, the only reason they were looking into Benghazi. So I thought Carol Maloney, my congresswoman who ran House yeah. Oversight, did a pretty good job. There were some important hearings, but when the Republicans there do were. when the Republicans do oversight, it's all political. Why would the Biden administration be giddy, gleeful that <laughs> Marjorie Greene is going to be on House Oversight? Well, there is a reason for that. Um, the people on this oversight committee in general, Carolyn Maloney being a only being a different kind of person, but these are people who don't actually want to legislate. It's kind of like the entire Republican Party, except these are the people who really, really don't want to get knowledgeable about much of anything, and therefore they want to investigate people. And I think that the Biden people must be looking at these people thinking, what will be the first hearing that they have? And how will people like Paul Gosar, Marjorie Taylor Greene, how will they act? Won't it make for great ridicule yes. by late night comics, which, it, of course, it will. In fact, I don't think they'll even have to make up jokes. They'll just have to take some excerpts of the three of them and the chairman, and uh, you, you could just create an entire late night comedy show based on those hearings. Right. So unlike the a point you make repeatedly, um, that if people watch these hearings and they got their news that way, that would be maybe better for the country. Uh, but... In this case, it just might be better for comedy shows, at least Bill Maher's. And the, De and the Democrats, that hopefully people yeah. will see what a joke these people are. And, That's right. And vote accordingly. You would think One that. Of the Let me ask you about Biden and the classified material. It's 
two bad things can happen. Biden could bring home classified material uh, and Trump can bring home classified material. Both of those are bad, but one is more bad than the other. And isn't there a problem with uh, what's called it classified inflation? You know how they have grade inflation? Everybody sure. gets an A. Well, isn't everything getting every document getting classified these days? Pretty much. And that's been that way since Vietnam. I mean, he probably um, brought home Barack Obama's lunch order. And because he ordered, <laughs> you know, like beef, it was classified because he, he <laughs> Um, the here's the thing about it, though. There are two things that he needs to worry. Biden needs to worry about. One, he better come up with a better explanation for why, if he knew about this a few days before the midterms, he didn't say anything about it. Because any explanation, even for somebody like me, that says, uh, "Well, I, I, that's right. not good enough," you have you have to under you have to say something if you have to make it up. And the other thing is, in Hunter Biden's computer now in the possession of the federal government, does he say anything specifically about? Those documents, does he say, oh, I know this stuff is here. Those are the two. Everything else is baloney because although you can't go to court and say, well, it was overclassified because uh, the court doesn't care. There's a classification system. It involves certain steps in, in Congress or in the executive branch. And that's it. You you can't say that. You have to explain it. And the discrepancy between the way in which Biden has handled this more or less appropriately and what Donald Trump did, although that's always the predicate of the news. They say, well, there's a difference. And then they go and do an enormous segment about the latest outrage. They found one more piece of paper. Right. What? Why did they? You know, they found the paper because Biden, unlike Trump, turned it over. Exactly. And then and then, you know, then they go. Well, but what what was a security clearance for the people who found it? Well, if you don't know what you're looking for and you see it, you can't be blamed for not having a security clearance to find it and say to your your uh, client in this case, because these are private lawyers. I found this stuff. It's it's marked top secret. Right, right. But, you know, we let me tell you about something else. Oh, I, I wanna, I, I, okay, I wanna, go ahead. Let me ask you about Hunter he, he, Biden, because you are a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. You're a lawyer. We don't know the truth about the chain of custody of Hunter Biden's laptop. It'll come out. Right. I know it was in Rudy Giuliani's possession at one time, I think. So it's been contaminated. Yeah. Legally speaking, let me ask you the following. Just because Jim Jordan wants to look into Hunter Biden, what are the chances that Hunter Biden is going to testify, given how good a job the Republicans did stonewalling House oversight 
and yeah. the Judiciary Committee with Trump. How long can Biden stonewall? Because they are stone. They're asking them to redo the subpoenas. Already. That's correct. So politically speaking, would it be disadvantageous for Biden not to cooperate with these committees and try to stonewall? And legally, how long can the the Biden administration play it out? We just got tax Trump's tax returns. It took like you know three years to get his three tax years. Return. So well, politically, Biden. politically speaking, would it harm Biden to do what Trump did and stall the investigations? Politically, I don't think it. W- I don't think it would because I don't think Hunter Biden is capable of being a credible witness, even if there's nothing on that laptop that's incriminatory. I don't I don't think he's capable of doing it. I'm going to take a little coffee. Break yeah. here. So while you're taking your coffee. Uh, <clears throat> the American people don't care about Hunter Biden. No, they don't. It, they, it, like, like Ben got, I mean, we want to see the pictures and the pornography yeah. and hear, sure. you know, the schadenfreude. Uh, some of us do, not me. Mm-hmm. But in terms of our having, thinking any less of Joe Biden than we already do, it's impossible. Uh, so politically, if he plays the same games that Trump did, that's going to be fine. So we think. So... Let me ask you about the chain of custody. There's a laptop. Uh, there's something illegal on the laptop. Is it the well, Fourth Amendment? Are there Fourth Amendment issues? Yeah. Well, there, yeah, the Fourth Amendment rejects any ideas that are uh, uh, that searches or seizures are unreasonable. And this is because back in the days before there was a United States, there was something called a general warrant in Britain that basically say, go in and take whatever you want. So we want it to be specific. It has to be specific and it has to be uh, done with a full uh, full background for whatever it is that you're searching or seizing. Searches of laptops uh, aren't particularly different than that. You you still need to get a judge to say with some specificity, this is what we're looking for among the contents of this electronic device. You okay, still so, have to go through that. All right, so let's say I get y- your laptop. Yeah. And the repairman says he didn't come and pick it up. And after a certain period of time, it's either 30 days or 90 days, let's say 90 days, he owns the laptop. So he opens it up and he sees some illegality. Mm -hmm. That is not a violation of the Fourth Amendment because he's not a police officer. He's, he's not, not any any connection with the government. So he's not but, a Fourth Amendment violation. Right. right. So he witnesses, but he has witnessed something that is against the law on a laptop that he's been snooping through. Is he a obligated? You know, don't you have to report a crime to the police if you see? No, no, you don't have to. 
Okay. You can see a criminal act being committed. You don't have any legal obligation to turn that whatever you saw over to anybody, including the police. Okay. But if you do turn it over to the police and say, this is a laptop that I now own, it belonged to Hunter Biden, I believe a crime is on this laptop. The, the police would then have to get a warrant, correct? Go before a judge yes, to open it up. Yes, they should do. And if they don't, if Rudy Giuliani just went through it, hmm. then has he contaminated the evidence? It would be a very reasonable and I would say easy to make argument that there's this contamination just in that one step of investigating Hunter Biden's laptop. Even though he should not have done that. But, yeah. he, but he's not an officer of the court. I mean, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. Well, but he, he's not a prosecutor. Right. These are political well, operatives who've yeah. been playing with this stuff. But so far, the police have not been a part of it. So can they now go in with a warrant and look at... I think the... Yeah, I think the police can do that. The chain that goes from the computer guy to Giuliani, as you point out correctly, Giuliani is not acting in any official capacity. I don't think he is. Maybe he thinks he is. But then when he sees this, what does he do with it? How long does he have it? Those are questions that go to the chain of of uh, events, right. the chain of custody. And that's where a good lawyer for Hunter Biden would say he's clearly done something with this he had every reason to he's done it and you can't prove otherwise and we saw you, that you could right and we saw that with oj they they then had her i remember the the blood <clears throat> they did the blood, the blood samples and then barry sheck and the dream team who had the vial then who had it the, mm-hmm. and the the Furman was it Officer Furman who keeps spewing yep. the N word, yep. and you know after a while you begin to think, well, maybe the Dream Team, maybe OJ did murder Nicole, but maybe Furman knew OJ mm-hmm. murdered Nicole, so he planted the bloody glove. I mean, I I. You begin to realize two things can be true at the same time. OJ's yep. guilty, and so is Furman for planting the evidence, and so uh, OJ should be free. If Furman planted some evidence, it's more important that Furman be punished and not OJ, correct? Yeah, but he is free. Right. OJ is free. And so, so is Furman. Yeah. Um I don't know. Uh, I don't think that the OJ thing is quite parallel. But you you have to raise doubts. Remember, anything that is a criminal matter that is on Hunter Biden's laptop, you have to prove to a jury beyond a reasonable doubt that the crime was committed and the crime was committed by Hunter Biden. 
that's a very high standard, as it should be in criminal cases. And I'm not sure that your average juror is uh, going to be terribly interested in speculating if somebody raises serious doubts about the chain of custody of that particular laptop. Right. Let's talk about customer service in our limited time that we have. Okay. You're now you're a minister. Yeah. You're a man of God. Yep. I have been dealing with health insurance companies. Yep. And uh, you're married to a doctor. Yep. And I have taken to saying God is going to punish you for what you do for a living to the health insurance people who are yes. making me and my friend's life miserable. And, and so uh, am I morally bereft by telling people who work for health insurance companies, there's nothing I can do, but I can assure you God is going to punish you. Yeah, that's okay to do. Thank you. Um, finally. Yeah. Finally. finally. Somebody <laughs> said, just do that. But I'm I, shopping around. I, you know, excuse me for one second. You know, they, they always say with you know, <laughs> medical care, you know, you're a consumer and you shop around for the right yeah. doctor. Mm. With religion, you shop around for a religion. See, I never shopped around. Yeah. I was, I, they forced the rabbi on me. But if I were, yeah. were a better consumer, I would have come to you <laughs> first. Thank you. I, you, I'm now a member of your church. So it's okay yep. to to invoke God's name and say what you're doing is immoral and you're going to be punished for this. Yep. Yep. It is. Now, but that's not the way I deal with annoying calls. <laughs> I, but you could. You're an actual minister. You I have a direct line. That. You have the hotline yeah, to then, God. When I say I believe in God and you don't, so I wouldn't want to lie about it. Oh. But... I would, that's so you're fibbing about that piece of what you say is terrible. Now, here's what I do. Once every six months or so, somebody calls in the middle of the evening to sell something. And the funniest thing I ever did, because the people in these fulfillment bureaus and uh, salesmen over the phone are told ne never hang up on a customer a potential customer so with that in mind i try to keep them on the phone for a very long <laughs> time and my son would be sitting there and i remember this very clearly guy calls about whether i'd be interested in getting a credit card and i say um wow you really going to going to give me a credit card absolutely i said it's it's i'm so happy about this because ever since i got out of prison no one will give me any credit <laughs> and then he goes what and i go yeah i just i i just got out of prison two months ago and no, no one will give me a, a credit card <laughs> so then so we go through that a while yeah. and joanne's laughing and my son is laughing and and i i said um well let me just talk about the you know the, how how good a credit card this is oh it's a great credit card how about my credit limit i say he says um well what would you like and I say, uh, how about unlimited? 
And he laughed. He goes, no, I can't even get unlimited. I said, well, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because I'm trying to put my life back together. And I can't because nobody but you will give me a credit card. I said, can I talk to your supervisor? So I get on the phone. He puts some guy on the phone who you know, who claims to be the supervisor. And I go through the same thing. And then I say, Look, could I could I get this credit card right away? And the guy goes, well, it'll take a few days in the mail. And I said, no, no, I was thinking of meeting you at the custard stand down on Route 50 in Falls Church, Virginia. And I'd just like to come and pick it up. <laughs> well, we, we don't do things that way. Just on and on. And the thing went on for 30 minutes. And all I could think of at the end was, I hope those two characters had a bad time while I and my three quarters of my family was having such a good time. <laughs> now, is it immoral? No, it's not immoral. I didn't ask them to call me. But they're trying to support their family. Yeah, I know. Well, you're being a bully. There plenty of, yeah, there are plenty of uh, of other th things they can do uh, other than call me. I want to tell you about one thing. You know, la last week, I, a couple of interesting phone call conversations. Uh, one with Ron Kovic, the guy who from uh, born the on the Fourth of July. Yeah, you yeah, spoke to him. Yeah. I did. Wow. I know him, and he, he's actually contributed a nice blurb uh, for my book. And I also, the next day, I talked to Oliver North. You spoke to Oliver North this week? Yeah. The excuse me. I mean, excuse me. I, I, I don't mean to correct you. I know you're name dropping, <laughs> but on this show, we don't call him Oliver North. We call, him, call him war criminal Colonel Oliver North. Colonel. War criminal Colonel Oliver North, go ahead. <laughs> okay. When North and I did a radio show for one hour most weeks for three or four years, uh, one day the government had announced that they were doing this official don't call list. Remember that? Mm -hmm. The don't call list. And people were so hostile and they wanted – so – North and I had worked out in advance that we'd start talking about something that had happened in Congress. And then the producer would come in and say, um, gentlemen, you know, I enjoy this conversation, but we've been asked by the White House, along with every other talk show host in the country, to take the overflow. They can't handle these calls. So we, he said, okay. So North says, well, Barry, you take the first one. And the first one was a woman who didn't want any of these calls. And I said, um, could I just ask you a question? Um, how much do you weigh? And he said, North says, you can't ask somebody that question. I said, well, I got a good reason. She doesn't want calls about life insurance and credit cards, but maybe she would prefer to get calls from weight loss companies. And we could just put on the do not accept she'll right. take. Yeah. And then it went on and on like that for an hour. And every single line was lit. It were dozens and dozens of people who thought that by talking to us, they were actually getting 
on the do not call list. Oh, so you tricked the and, listeners. Oh, yeah, we tricked them. Well, But, you know, we, we did that on other occasions. But, I mean, this was absolutely hilarious. I mean, at the end, of course, we didn't say anything except, okay, sorry, we can't take any more calls. When you look at the record of the do not call the success of do not call lists, it's abysmal. I think the people who called us were just as likely to not be bothered by telemarketers than the people who were actually on the official government do not call <laughs> right. list. Well, let me ask you a question, Reverend. Yeah. Yes. You answer your phone? I haven't answered my phone in, I don't know, 10 years. If I don't recognize the number, it goes right to voicemail. Um, yeah, I do. I do answer the phone. Because what if I'm in the mood to keep somebody on <laughs> the line for 30 minutes? If I don't do it, and and I don't know, I, I can't not at least look and see. I know about spoofing. I mean, I get all kinds of of calls from uh, 703 numbers because that's Northern Virginia. That's where I used to live. And of course, they don't know I'm not living there. So they assume that if it's a 703 number, I'll think, oh, maybe it's a neighbor calling. Uh, but I, I do. I, you never pick up your phone. If you, never. You know, if, oh, In fact, man. you've called me and I've called you back. Because I didn't recognize yeah, that's the number. True. That's a good point. Yeah, I just don't, you know, uh, and I don't need to be on a do not call list because Hollywood <laughs> put me on the do not call list 40 <laughs> years ago. Oh, uh, man. Very quickly on coins. Yeah. Your, your thoughts, we were talking about coins. Yeah, you, you were talking with the Hershenfelds about capitalism and the, the general idea that if it's bigger, it's better, except when it comes to coins. One of the most vivid recollections I have of my father teaching me something as a child, I was probably six years old, five or six. He took me out for ice cream and he showed me a group of coins and he said, what, which of these, what's worth more? And then he'd put that a quarter and a penny and I'd go, that one. And then we did the nickel dime thing. And I thought, the nickel, it's bigger. No, no, no. Hmm. I have a lot of recollections of my father these days as I get to the last edits, blurbs, and other matters when does the book for my out? book. When does it come out? Well, we hope, we're hoping it uh, comes out on April 1st. Okay. Yeah. Paid to Piss People Off, three paid, volumes. Paid to Piss People Off, three volumes. Yep. yep. The Reverend Barry W. Lynn ran Americans, United for Separation Church and State, for nearly a quarter of a century. He's an ordained minister with the United Church of Christ and a lawyer. Thank you, sir. We'll go to Absolutely. Barry W. Lynn. Go to barrywlynn.com for a treasure trove of the man's writings and appearances on some of your favorite television shows and radio shows. You got it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Stay out of trouble. Hey, only good trouble.